You are listening to the Homeland Hera Salute, sharing stories to heal and honor our heroes. This podcast is brought to you by the Homeland Heroes Foundation and produced by Dairy Cam. Today's episode is sponsored by Elliott Health System, providing quality, compassionate care to our community for over 130 years. This podcast sometimes deals with mature content that may not be suitable for a younger audience and could be triggering for some individuals. Discretion is advised. The views expressed by our guests and others are solely their own. No views expressed in this podcast represent any of the uniform services, the Homeland Heroes Foundation, Dairy Cam, or any other organization. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Homeland Heroes Salute. My name is Alyssa, and to hear the first part, first and second part, go back and listen now to our previous episodes. So, uh, can you tell us, so, you know, you talked about the camaraderie that was with everyone while you were over there. Um, are there any relationships that you've kept up with um, since coming back? Yeah, I, there's quite a few guys that we still keep in contact with. Um, we use a lot of Facebook to do that okay. just because it's a little easier. Sure. We don't always have time to sit down and have phone conversations or anything like that. But, you know, we have a unit reunion that we do every year. Like I said, I just came back from mm-hmm. about two weeks ago. Um, so I, I actually make a trip down to Fort Campbell. I have for the past four, five years now, I think maybe mm-hmm. four that time seems to slip by me, but typically I do that with a gold star dad. Okay. Um, yep. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll load up my motorcycle and I'll ride down in Connecticut Nice. and I'll meet up with him. And then we ride out. Um, his son was actually killed in our last mission in Afghanistan, which is featured in that documentary, the Hornet's Nest. Yeah. And uh, we started doing that. Uh, I want to say, I want to say at least three years ago that we started riding down. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we'll ride and take our time. Typically, not always. Sometimes we're behind the eight ball and we got to <laughs> blow through, but it's a, it's a good time. We just cruise a highway and yeah. get down there and that spend time really with therapeutic too. <laughs> it is. It's really therapeutic. Not so fond of the rain, but uh, no. you know, <laughs> it happens. So, you know, I do that and then keep up with guys through Facebook and, um, and just, uh, not, it's not the same, but we're at least able to still connect and, and rattle each other's cages. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> um, how would you explain to civilians what the culture was like in your branch branches of the military? So having been in the corporate world, civilian world. Yeah. Um, and then also in the military, I think the biggest, the biggest difference is, is that there's a, a much larger team concept concept in the military mm-hmm. As opposed to the civilian world, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Uh, there are elements of of team when you're working on project and things with whatever organization you're mm-hmm. working for in in the civilian world. But at the end of the day, you go home to your house, they go home to theirs, and that's yeah. pretty much it. And then you show up for work the next day, and it doesn't. Not very often do you act. Does that any of that slide over into the personal side of things? Mm-hmm. Or in the military, I found that. Um, a lot of the guys would go and do things together after work some, yeah. a lot. Um, not all the time, but it'd be a little more, a little more frequent. I'm actually probably pretty fortunate after moving to New Hampshire in July of 2014 that I 
I've been able to kind of pick and choose the things that I would like to do and mm. kind of have that same camaraderie type thing, not as in death because it's not a life or death situation. There's yeah. something, something different whenever your camaraderie reaches that level of life or death mm-hmm. kind of thing versus just acquaintances or working yeah. together. Um, but you know, I, in the civilian side, since moving up here, I've been I've been the assistant director of a ski school cool. at at Ragged Mountain Resort in Danbury yeah. for I did that for three years, mm-hmm. and I was an instructor for two years before that. And you have some of that same camaraderie yeah. where guys are working every day. You're cutting up, going out, having fun, but you're also working and getting the job done. Mm-hmm. That mindset, um, and then. I currently, uh, I just took a position um, in September as the director of operations for Alpine Adventures in Lincoln. Awesome. There's the zip line outdoor adventure yeah. place. Uh, um, and you kind of see the same thing there. Yeah. Where the guides will hang out and do things after work and go do things like off when they're off, they'll go rock climbing together or whatever. Yeah. So you still, you see some of that kind of that yeah. camaraderie take place that similar that you would see in the military. Yeah. Um, so it's a little bit different environment. Um, you know, I, like I said, I spent time as an outside sales rep for an equipment rental company. I spent time as a marketing rep, I spent time as a vice president of marketing and, um, only on rare occasions would something take place outside of work Yeah, with everybody else. Usually it happened to be a Christmas party yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. And you're like, Oh, I guess I have to talk to you yeah. now about yeah. something other than work. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and that, that, that's probably the biggest thing. Yeah. Civilians and culture and the difference between the two is probably what I would say. Um, I think the other part of it is typically in the civilian world, I feel like there's a little more of this mindset that I need to make you look bad. So I look good so I can get the promotion. Mm -hmm. And I, I have, I honestly have never operated that way. Yeah. My whole goal Anytime I'm working somewhere, whether I'm training them or I'm their boss or whatever, my whole goal is to teach them everything that I know. So if something happens to me, yep. somebody can pick up the pieces and keep going. Yeah. And you don't find that very often. No, no. <laughs> so I can, I can definitely agree with that. Um, what was one of the hardest things about becoming a civilian again after, I guess after you, I mean, you had two very different experiences. Um, you know, the first time there was no real big issue Mm -hmm. with returning to civilian life, to be honest. Um, I, I did not experience the same things in my first enlistment that I did the second. The second one has been pretty challenging. Mm -hmm. Um, missing that camaraderie that we had trusting each other with our lives. Um, and then, uh, you know, react, integrate, not, I don't know what the right word is, I'm kind of stumbling over myself. Um, dealing with the civilian side of things, whether it's family or friends or whatever, where let's say there's a situation going on and they're reacting a certain way to it. And I'm just kind of like, really? Does this really require this kind of reaction? Mm-hmm. No one's trying to blow you up and no one's shooting at you. Yeah. It's not that serious. <laughs> and, and I try not, I mean, it, unfortunately, that's my mindset. Yeah. 
I try not to push that on everybody else because not everybody has the same experiences, but sometimes it's, it, it's just like, it's really not that bad. Yeah. It's really not. You don't need to freak out. Right. It's okay. <laughs> the world will still spin. You'll still wake up tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's not that big a deal. Yeah. And so it's probably for me, that's the biggest thing because my whole perspective on things totally changed. Mm-hmm. How did your family um, deal with that after coming after you came home? I think they're still dealing with it. Sure. Honestly, uh, I think I'm still dealing with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I find I have less tolerance for pettiness mm-hmm. because of that yeah. whole aspect of dealing with life and death. And, uh, I find that can, at times I, that can make me short or withdrawn mm-hmm. because I just, I don't want to deal with it. It's really not that big a deal. I don't, I don't want to engage in it. Right. And I think that affects family. You know, uh, I mentioned earlier about not really enjoying talking on the phone or doing video chats. And, yeah. you know, I know that affects family, especially my family that lives in Texas. Yeah. I know it strained the relationship with my oldest son. And because I, I am probably more withdrawn mm-hmm. than I was when he was younger. Sure. And so that's difficult. I don't, I don't really know how to get over that challenge. Yeah. To be honest, you know, I, you know, I'm here and I'm, I'm sharing the things that, uh, in hopes that it helps someone. Yeah. I honestly don't know how to help myself. (laughs) Have you searched out, um, like, do you go to the VA? I, um, I'd use VA for healthcare. (laughs) Uh, I also use the vet center for counseling sessions. Mm Um, just, being open and honest, I'm I'm doing counseling sessions right now uh, for marriage um, because it has been difficult. Sure. Um, I'm I'm a fairly quiet person anyway, mm-hmm. and like I said, me doing this is a little out of character. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I think the thing for me being able to do this is that I'm coming here and I don't I don't perceive any preconceived ideas. I'm not perceiving any judgment. I'm not perceiving any, um, expectations being placed upon me doing this. It's just conversation. Yeah. And I appreciate that. And I think that's probably the biggest issue myself personally speaking has when dealing with civilian world Mm -hmm. is generally there's judgment, a preconceived idea, uh, you know, or there's an expectation and sometimes most of the times are unspoken. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I still deal with that within the family unit as well. I yeah. believe. Is there anything, so kind of talking about those like preconceived notions, um, biases, judgments, um, is there anything that you don't like, or is it, what can you, can you talk about some of those things that, um, some of those judgments that you feel like you maybe have faced or you feel people have towards you, the military? Um, I would probably say, and it probably is, there's a lot of that, I believe, and just something that kind of comes to the top of my head, for example, um, in regards to 
PTSD. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm diagnosed with that mm-hmm. and many of my friends are, Yeah. but there's still a stigma with that. Mm-hmm. And I think that if, if people, whether family members or coworkers or whatever, if they would just don't necessarily treat us with kid gloves, mm-hmm. but don't walk up and ask us, did you kill anyone? Right. You know, allow for, allow for the conversation to naturally flow, build yeah. the trust. And the trust happens. Number one, don't have any expectations that are unrealistic. Yeah. If I'm hired to do this job, then that's where your expectations should be. And then build a relationship. Yeah. In order for the door to open elsewhere. Wow. Um, Have you ever been asked that? So like people, do people really come out and say? Uh, it's been asked. Wow. And almost, I would say probably almost every, any veteran, almost, I, most probably, if I had to guess and put us to, I'd probably say 80% or more vets who've deployed have probably been asked that at some point in time. I, I, and that may be even higher. I don't even know. Um, <laughs> I can't even like imagine asking that question. And it's, yeah, it's, it's weird. Yeah. It's something that you typically, you really shouldn't ask anyone anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you may not like the answer you get. That's <laughs> true. Um, but it's, it's that whole stigma, I guess. Yeah. Well, he has PTSD, so he's violent. Yeah. I had the propensity to be violent, but I also had the propensity to be very controlled. Yeah. And so I choose the controlled side of things Mm -hmm. and then I deal with the internal, emotional and mental side on my own. Yeah. And I do that as a protection for people around me because that's what we were trained to do. Yeah. Does that mean that everyone does that? No, there's always those that are going to snap. They're going to break. Things are going to happen. And then you don't ever know how far they've been pushed before they got to that point. Yeah. And so I think if if people in the civilian world, whether they're coworkers or family members or whatever, you have to you have to build the trust. And respect, I think, too. And and respect. Well, yeah. I think those go hand in hand. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, I, th- I think they really go hand in hand. If you respect someone, you're going to build that trust before you get into the more deeper conversations that. that yeah may need to take place. And, and I'll just, I'll be, I'll be open. Mm-hmm. For me, the, the, my biggest hurdle right now uh, within my marriage, which is what I'm in counseling for is, and I'm, I'm really trying not to, I don't know what the right word is. I'm trying not to put my expectations on other, uh, on my wife per se, sure. but whenever there's certain things that are going on within our family dynamic and the reaction to it is like a nuclear bomb went off mm-hmm. and it's really in my mind is not that big of a deal. Yeah. It really causes me to withdraw and wanting to be able to share, to be honest and to use a, word that we probably shouldn't use on the podcast to really deal with the shit that I feel or think sometimes. Yeah. 
Um, and so it, it, it causes me to withdraw. So it makes it mm-hmm. difficult for me to want to share those, those things. And at the same time, I know that she wants that because she wants the deepness yeah. and the intimacy that that brings. Sure. But if I don't feel that she can handle it, I don't want to go there. Yeah. So it's, it's, I don't know if there's an old book. I read it when I was in junior high called catch 22. Yep. Are you familiar with the term? Yes. Yeah. So it typically puts me in a catch 22. Yep. And I'd rather just isolate and withdraw and go do my own thing. Yeah. And decompress and deal with it that way because it's safer. Yeah. So how, how long have you been with your wife? Uh, we've been together 28 years come November 29th. Okay. Married for 26 as of July 24th, this last July She's 24th. seen this whole thing kind of. She's, she's, she's seen me really at my better times. Yeah. And now I'm probably at my worst times. Yeah. Are you going through the right, the right avenues and. I'm, I'm trying. (laughs) That's all you can ask for. Trying. I know it doesn't happen as quickly as, as she probably wants it to. (laughs) Yep. Um, I don't know. Like I said, my mindset, my whole, everything just was flipped upside down. Yeah, absolutely. It's totally flipped upside down. Now, I I mean, I, I I love going to work every day. Mm -hmm. I enjoy what I do. Um, What are you doing today for work? For work? Yeah. I'm the director of operations at Alpine Adventures. Yes. So basically I, I oversee the operation there. Yeah. Um, we do off-road. We do, it's coming up since we get some snow around. We do snowshoe tours, zip lining. Mm-hmm. So we do all of that. It's all outdoor related. And it's for me, like I said, that's therapy. Yeah. Um, that makes it difficult sometimes because I enjoy those things. I enjoy snowboarding. Yeah. Um, and it's a very one person kind of thing it is doing as well i like doing it with a group of people yeah um i do enjoy going out with a group because that makes it a little more fun yeah. but it can be very one an individual type thing where you just there's been many a times i've gone out by myself and i'd snowboard and i get to a point where there's a view and i just sit down yeah and just chill everything's quiet it's peaceful nice yeah <laughs> and so you know that that's another side of that uh you know civilian to military thing that mm-hmm. i i believe most veterans really appreciate the things bit. around them yeah a little more yeah i believe they stop and they kind of notice things i mean yeah we there's still some of us that get caught up in the hustle and bustle of day-to-day life it happens but i think for the most part, most of us, most of the vets that I know mm-hmm. that most of the ones that I deployed with would rather be outdoors. Yeah. Which, which goes along very well for the latest, um, the latest stuff that was, um, put through for, uh, outdoor recreational therapy through the VA. Awesome. Yeah. And that's, uh, 
I, I think that's a step in the right direction. Yeah. I know it helps me. It's helped. I've got a have a buddy that lives in Maine. He deployed with me. Yeah. And uh, we were at this. We were at Cop Monte together. And uh, he's a huge rock climber. He loves a snowboard. And he wants to work in that realm because yeah. that's that helps him therapeutically. But it's also become his passion since coming yeah. home. That's and that's another thing. Too many people. Uh, in within my family and within the civilian world, they, they look at what I do and they think it's not real. That's not a job. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you can look at it however you want. Maybe you're just jealous because I'm doing something that I'm passionate about and yeah. I really enjoy. And you can't do that. No. Maybe you should try to do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think if people realize what their passion was. Yeah. And begin to operate out of their passion, it would never be work anymore. No, I definitely agree with that. So I, I'm fortunate that I'm in a position that I can do that. Yeah. I mean, and I, I say I'm fortunate. I mean, I went through hell to get to that point. Yeah. And there are certain things I wish I hadn't gone through. Sure. But now I'm not going to change it because it put me in a place where I can actually, I'm a coach at heart. Mm -hmm. I've coached since I was a freshman in high school. Yeah. I mean, I coached Pee Wee football as a freshman in high school. Oh my gosh. And then, awesome. and it was funny because as a freshman in high school, some of the kids playing Pee Wee football were bigger than I was. <laughs> I would literally put the pads on and help coach them. Yeah. In that aspect. Um, and then I've coached in one form or fashion almost all my life. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And so I find that coaching aspect is part of my passion. That's part of the reason why I became a, a snowboard instructor. I, I learned to teach. I taught myself how to snowboard. And then I taught my buddies how to snowboard. Yeah. I coached them how to snowboard. And so I've been doing something in that realm for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's, I'm able to do that with what I do now. Yeah. 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 That's, that's awesome. I'm, that's, that's great that you, you found that. And, um, you know, I can, I can sense the passion, just like your whole face lights up when you <laughs> talk about it. So that's really cool. Um, so is there anything with, um, like, do you, do you feel the U S government is taking care of your needs, uh, in regards to the VA veteran loans, et cetera, anything that to do with veterans, like so some of that, I think they have. I think they have some things in place that are there that are very helpful. Yeah. I think the problem lies where they're not well known and they're not okay. really told. Really? Yeah. I, you know, to get my benefits yeah. to where they should be based on the, I mean, my time in Afghanistan, I'm, I don't want to portray it as being, uh, I'm not a war hero. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't, I mean, I did my job. Yeah. Um, my life was on the line, just like everybody else's were. Some of the guys paid for with their lives. Yeah. Those guys are the heroes that, uh, Barbara Verga, PFC Barbara Verga, she's a hero. She was, you know, so the, um, but there are things that I encountered that caused injuries, physical injuries, mm -hmm. as well as, PTSD, you know, sleep apnea, yeah, uh, traumatic brain injury, all those things that kind of get lumped in there. So in order for me to get rated for those things that have been causing me issues, 
I literally had to fight to get that. Yeah. And I don't think it needs to be that way. Uh, absolutely. I think if you had a legitimate claim, it should be put in. The information that goes along with it should be put in. And there shouldn't be any questions. Mm-hmm. You do that information. You look at that information like, oh, this is true. Good to go. So there's a lot of hangups and a lot of obstacles there, there are. to go through. There are. I mean, I've known Vietnam vets. Yeah. That were exposed to Agent Orange. Mm-hmm. They came home. They were treated like shit. Mm-hmm. They didn't want anything to do with anyone or the government or the VA. And they died from Agent Orange. Yep. Without a penny to their name. Yeah. That should not be. It shouldn't be happening. The government sent us there. The government needs to own up to it. They need to do what and make it right. Yep. Yes, it's going to cost money, but wars cost money. Yeah. So... In that aspect, I think they could do a better job. Mm-hmm. Do I think they've started taking steps to help in matters? Yes, I do. But I don't think they let people know yeah. the way they should. Um, you know, and that being said, we've all heard about the stuff that's gone on within the VA in different areas of the country. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason why I moved up here, I helped a buddy of mine move up here in April of 2014. Mm-hmm. I liked actually he lived uh, in White River Junction. Okay. And loved it. It was mud season. It's kind of that in between <laughs> snowing a little bit, rain a little bit. Slush. It really didn't bother me. I yeah. was like, this is cool. I like this. <laughs> Had a chance to go snowboarding again for the first time in I don't know how long. In April. <clears throat> in April. <laughs> and uh I ended up having to come back for the month of May because he was having some uh flashback issues. Yeah. And and nightmares and it was affect. I mean, where he would wake up attacking. Wow. So I was able to help get him into a, um, a program called operation restored warrior, which I had gone through the year prior, Okay. which helped deal with, helps us identify, the things that trigger our PTSD, mm-hmm. it helps us understand what we need to do to kind of push past that. Yeah. Uh, it's a faith-based program. Okay. And it works really well. They have a really good success rate. So I got him into that. So I stayed for the month of May. Yeah. Just to make sure his house was taken care of. He didn't have to worry about anything while he was gone. He was only gone for a week, but I stayed for the whole month of May just to help with that. For, uh, the, the pre-trip <clears throat> and the post-trip. And uh, I had to go to the VA. Mm -hmm. I had injured my neck, back, shoulder, knee again um, in in, in Afghanistan. So I had to go to the VA to have my shoulder looked at because I couldn't lift my arm. arm. Yeah. And so I went to the White River Junction VA on a Friday afternoon around 3.15, 3.30. And they actually got me back to see me within about 10 minutes. Okay. (laughs) And I was like... Did that really just happen? Because <laughs> in Nashville or Dallas, both yeah. VAs that I've used before, I might still be sitting there to this day. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> now, I, I had spent, when I got out of the military the first time, I had really debilitating headaches. Sure. Um, and I, at one time, I spent 14 hours waiting to be seen by a doctor in the Dallas VA. This was in the mid-90s. So, that was my first experience and I didn't want to go back. Yeah. But I didn't have health care because I was working a different kind of job. Mm-hmm. And then 
the Nashville VA, I had been in that system for almost two and a half years and no primary care doctor. So if I needed to be seen, I'd have to do a walk-in or ER and I always waited forever. So it completely deterred. So it was a totally. And then when I got back there, they didn't just start trying to prescribe me medications. They actually listened to me and then they said, okay, let's get you back and get an MRI and an x-ray to find out what's going on. Yeah. So they did that first. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the other systems here, here's this for pain. Here's this for your depression. Here's this for your anxiety. Here's this. I have a gallon sized baggie of medications that were prescribed to me by the national VA. Wow. They literally turn me into a zombie, not a zombie like I want to eat your brain zombie, yeah. but a zombie like vegetative, yeah. like I'm just sitting in a chair, not interacting with anyone. Yeah. And you want to, you want to deal with this. You don't want to just. Right. You want to actually like have a, a life. I'm yes, sure. Absolutely. In, in... And so that's the thing. And when that took place and then by the following Tuesday, mm-hmm. they had a primary care doctor assigned to me. Wow. Now, that doesn't mean I haven't had issues here and there. Sure. I fired four doctors at the VA because they wanted to start giving me medication. Says, oh, no, 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 no. We're not going that route again. Yeah. I've already been down that dark path. Yeah. Not probably it. So, yeah. If they would listen to the vet, there are vets out there that all they want is a pain med. Sure. Part of that is because of the culture that they created to begin with. Mm hmm. Part of it's because that vet has probably has propensity for addiction. Yeah. So figure that out and help them. Yeah. And that's the thing. If they would just stop and listen, like myself and a lot of other vets that I know, we don't want the meds. I spent, I spent a week in the psych ward of Alvin C. York Medical Center Mm -hmm. in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, when I got out. Wow. All I wanted was a place to decompress. Yeah. No expectations, no judgment, no preconceived ideas, just the ability to find a place to actually sleep Mm -hmm. without nightmares, without being alert all the time. Mm -hmm. And I voluntarily admitted myself and then I got sent to the psych ward. Wow. Did, Did you find that that helped? That did not help. No. One of the first things they did is start prescribing medications Mm -hmm. and, you know, they would have certain little things that you would go and do, but there was no sleep. Yeah. There was no rest. There was no decompression. None of that took place. And is there any programs that you know of that allow that? Off the top of my head, I'm sure there are, but I don't know of them. Um, I currently work with a group called Asthma Check Foundation. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're out of Bethlehem, New Hampshire, our board members, uh, we have one board member in Connecticut, one here in Derry. Um, I live in Bath, I have a board member up in Bartlett, mm-hmm. one in Twin Mountain, two in Bethlehem. I think that's everyone. <laughs> one in North Conway too, I think. Okay. I can't remember everyone all the time. And so basically we do, we work on that outdoor, that outdoor recreation therapy aspect yeah. of things which is nice because we work with first responders and with veterans and we work with the various adaptive sports programs here in New Hampshire, Mm -hmm. as well as Vermont and Maine. Okay. And so part of what we do, and it's pretty much in a nutshell. And I think my buddy Ray Gilmore kind of coined this phrase is we get, we get them outdoors and out of their heads. Yeah. Cause there's just something about it. And there's guys that, 
probably don't think they can do anything outdoors, but in reality, with the work that we the, the work that we've done with the various adaptive programs, if you're if you're physically disabled, mm-hmm. we can get you doing something that you yeah. would enjoy. That's and awesome. then the other aspect of that, and and it's kind of an unofficial thing, but and this is my mindset when I go into it. Like I've helped host a deep sea fishing trip. Okay. I've helped host uh, a couple of rock climbing trips, and just some unofficial things that I've gone and done. As we get them out, we get them out of their heads, doing yeah. something that might be out of their comfort zone or whatever. But we work on building the relationship mm-hmm. to build the trust. Yep. So we can get to know them. Mm-hmm. So then we can find out what are they passionate about. Yeah. And then maybe help steer them in the line of their passion. And hopefully maybe they can begin to do that. Mm-hmm. Because any human being, if they're op- like I mentioned earlier, any human being, if they're operating out of their passion, mm-hmm. it, it's not work anymore. They enjoy it. They get up looking forward to do it. It gives them a purpose, which is what many of us, when we get out, are missing. Yeah. We were given a purpose by the mission that was given to us. And now we don't have that. Yeah. So that's ultimately, um, I think that's ultimately what our goal is with Asthma Check Foundation. In the name of the... um that organization? Asthma Check Foundation. ACFNE.org. Cool. And it takes you straight to the website. <laughs> awesome. I like the little <laughs> plug. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I think we're pretty close to wrapping it up. Um, really appreciate everything you've shared with us today. Um, you know, is, is there anything else you want to share with us? Um, I think. If there's any one thing that I would say, if, if you know, if there's anyone listening, whether it's a family member or there's a veteran themselves, you're not alone on either side. Um, there are family members that understand mm-hmm. and there are people that are willing to listen and help, you know, steer you if you want that type of thing in, in a direction that will help you with your, your loved one if they're a veteran and vice versa. I'm a vet. Uh, you can get my contact information from from Julie or, or anyone that, you know, if you're struggling and, uh, you know, I, I don't 22 a day is 22 too many. And I, that, in my opinion, that, that I don't even know if that's a logistics stat. I think it's more than that. Yeah. I think a lot of them fall through the cracks, but it's too many Mm -hmm. and there's no reason for it. Absolutely. So there's always someone there that's, I'm willing to listen. I appreciate that. And um, if anyone wants to contact Dave, we can uh, just send us an email um, at the um, homelandheroesfoundation.com. Um, awesome. Well, thank you so much for um, serving, first of all. Thank and you. thank you for coming here today and sharing your story. And I know I, I appreciate it. Um, and I know um, someone out there is going to as well. well. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. This podcast is brought to you by the Holman Harris Foundation, an organization dedicated to the reacclimation support of active duty service members, veterans, and their families in their time of need. To learn more, visit homelandheroesfoundation.org. Thank you to our production team at DairyCam, creating connection through story for a better world. Learn more by visiting dairycam.org.
Today's episode is sponsored by Elliott Health System, providing quality, compassionate care to our community for 130 years. Thank you for listening and make sure you subscribe to the Homeland Harris Salute wherever you listen to podcasts.